Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back, friends, to the In Awe podcast in this series on champions. If you are a longtime listener, or if this is your first time, I'm so grateful that you joined us today. On this podcast, we feature guests through a series theme format, and I am excited about the fact that this month's theme centers on champions. I think we all need these messages right now to remind us that we can continue to fight through the challenges that we are facing in our various corners of this world and not give up. Today's guest is a calming voice with a perfectly timed mission in her message. Leslie Brewington is an accredited and public relations practitioner with more than 15 years of professional experience. This former television journalist now serves as the public relations coordinator for the Tuscaloosa City, Alabama schools, an urban district with more than 10,000 students. It's a job where she can continue her craft of writing and her rapid fire typing skills. She can usually be found brainstorming and selling a big idea, much to the chagrin of those around her who know it will be a lot of work, but a lot of fun. She is a two-time past president of ALSPRA, the Alabama School Public Relations Association, and a two-time gold medallion winner from the National Schools Public Relations Association, NSPRA. In today's episode, Leslie shares with us her path into school PR, the way she champions for her school, and some of the challenges she's tackling with the cancellation of schools due to COVID-19. Her message in this episode will no doubt help to reassure us all that we can continue to champion through with grace and calm. I am honored to share with you Leslie Brewington's champion story. Welcome, Leslie Brewington, to the In Awe podcast. I'm so excited to have you featured here and have my listeners come to your incredible story today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So Leslie, we have just been connected. I found you via social media and I am really excited to get to know you just as my listeners do today. But do you want to share with us a little bit about your current context and what you're up to in this wonderful world of ours? I am a former television reporter turned school PR practitioner. I've been working in school PR for about um, 12 years. I'm based in Alabama, um, right outside of the state's largest city, Birmingham. I'm in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, home of the University of Alabama, Roll Tide, of course, um, where I'm an alumnus. Um, And I work for a school system in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the Tuscaloosa City Schools. Right now, the current issue that I'm working with is, of course, the uh, coronavirus um, situation, and it's impacting not only my school district, but other school districts across the nation, as um, recently many school systems have had to um, close to instruction in classrooms. So that's kind of the, the current lay of the land right now. I am working from home and getting used to that. Um, and that's a new challenge in, in my professional life. <laughs> yeah, I bet it's a, it's one that so many of us can relate to. And I just love your dynamic background. It's really cool to know that you're serving schools. And I think I didn't quite hear this. The sound was a little off, but you said you have 10,000 students in your district. Um, we have about 11,000 students now. So over the past decade, our, our enrollments have creeped up. We've, um, when I first started back in 2007, we were hovering around that 10,000 mark and now we've crossed the 11,000 mark. So, um, Lots of lots of students in a pre-K through 12 setting, a very diverse school community, and that just enriches us all. That's so cool. So I'm just curious, what in the world got you interested in, in moving into the school PR realm from journalism? 
Well, I am the daughter, the granddaughter, the great granddaughter of public school teachers. And I always said I was never, ever, ever going into education. My um, parents had suggested it to me many a times and it just did not seem appealing. So I went to school to become a television reporter and I knew back then, even when I was in college, that TV was a for now job, not a forever job. And at some point I'd figure out what forever would be. So my very first job, I covered courts and crime, five local governments, as well as the local school board. And I came in contact with a school PR practitioner. Um, I didn't even know that that was a profession at the time. And she was great and gracious and wonderful and really shepherded me through as a young reporter to understanding the nuances of a board meeting and what which parts were important and which parts were just kind of part of rote um, routine that the boards always carry out. So I didn't have to worry about covering this particular part, but this is the important stuff. And as a, I guess, 22, 23 year old person, I said, if I ever got out of television, I'd want to do school PR. So flash forward about seven years. By that time, I'd been married, moved back to my home state of Alabama from Florida. And we'd had our first child. And lo and behold, the school system um, in this community had a position open. And I remembered what I told myself years and years ago. If ever a school PR position became open, it was time to get out of this profession. That's what I was going to do. So I applied and um, started a job when my firstborn was about three and a half months old. In some ways, it's like returning to the family business. <laughs> I love it. It's it's actually a really, really cool story. And so I'm curious, what what is the primary um function of your of your role? Because I know that not every school is fortunate to have a wonderful person like you on staff. So what is it that you do to champion for your school? You know, I think a lot of school systems do have school PR people, but they maybe don't understand how best to use our our skill set to um, the school system's advantage. So when I first started, it was a lot of being the district photographer and the district videographer type of thing. Um, and as I advanced my professional practice and and went back to school and did more professional development, understanding what the nuances of public relations are and how to effectively do the work, then I was able to take that back to my coworkers and say, hey, would we consider doing it this way? So one, having a seat at the table is super important. Um, it's going to be hard to communicate things if decisions are made and without the PR person in the room. Um, and that's your time to step up and say, you know, maybe this won't work over so well. Maybe we should look at a, a different way to do it. Um, so I guess the interesting thing about my job is that I never know what's going to happen from day to day. That can also be scary. Um, some days we may have, you know, a, a great story, something a viral hit, what goes, um, a cool visitor coming to bring, you know, a goodies to kids or a big check to the school or something like that. And then, then other days you might have a crime situation or um, a situation that involves safety and security measures. So, or if you're in a big district like mine, I have 21 schools, you could have all of that in the same day in two different schools. So sure. that can be a challenge. Um, but the current situation right now is, is certainly stretching my, um, stretching my my abilities as a practitioner and so I, I know that right now this challenge is 
it's calling me to use skills I've never used before. And I've been doing this for, you know, 20 years, almost professionally working in communication. Um, but it's an interesting challenge and an interesting time to be in. So I think when all is said and done, maybe they'll, I'll write a book, but I certainly will have many stories from this era. <laughs> I think so. Um, and what a cool opportunity to, for your district to have you kind of there to help mitigate, you know, it's such a interesting role, I'm sure for you in terms of communication flow. I'm sure that's a, one of the main or primary functions. I'm so accustomed to districts uh, where, so I was a building principal, like a high school principal. And um, we don't, you just, we don't have anybody else other than us <laughs> and the superintendent. Yeah. Um, like, and so um, that's just, it's a really interesting role that you serve and what a service to the leaders um, in the district to have you there. What do you think has been one of the greatest challenges with this coronavirus? Um, and I think you're, so you're in Alabama, the schools literally just this last week announced that they're closing through the end of the year. Is that correct? Right. Right. I think the biggest thing is um, communicating a sense of calm, um, not only to internal stakeholders like your coworkers, but external stakeholders like parents. Mm. Um, when the first closure was announced, a two-week closure, it was announced the Friday before spring break. So I came home, I was sitting in my driveway, and the superintendent calls me and says, we need to get out a message to families saying we're not coming back after spring break. So just the anxiety, um, you have to you know, be cool under pressure and, and kind of convey a sense of we've got this. There are people that are thinking this through, so you don't have to worry about it, particularly over spring break. So while um, spring break for us on social media was, I would say, quiet-ish, we probably did post more than we would normally. Um, we came out the the Monday that spring break was quote unquote over or would have been over, which was last week for us, um, we came out full force with a full communications plan. So for us, that looked like every day there was um, an email that came out at eight o'clock in the morning with a, message, a video message, a short video message from the superintendent. Um, and I felt it was really important as a school system that we establish um, a culture of connectedness while we're all apart. And so what schools are really good about doing, hopefully, are really good about setting up uh, a culture. Whether it's a good culture or a bad culture, they set up culture, these things happen. And so we really needed to work very hard to set up a culture in a virtual setting. So as a um, public relations practitioner, I think that's what I bring to the table. You talked about the hat you wore as a principal where it's just one person and you kind of have to do it all. Um, if that's not your forte, then maybe you don't have the luxury of thinking through the strategy behind what that's going to look like. You just know that you have to get messages out. Whereas I'm going to look at it as far as what's the larger picture? What's the larger thing that we need to communicate? What's the greater goal in all of this? And how do all these things tie together? So I kind of do that big thinking for my coworkers. And um, to quote my very first boss who worked when I worked at the TV station, he said to shuck it down to the cob. So um, <laughs> that's what you got to do. You got to shuck it down to the cob for people remembering this is not their forte. We're in a crisis and I need to make things as simple as possible, possible so it can so they can digest them and turn them around and get them out to families. Mm, 
That's very good. I, I like that. Shuck the cob. Shuck it to the cob. Is that? <laughs> yeah. That's one of those Northwest Florida sayings. I guess I'd never heard it until he said it, but um, and it makes sense as a you know someone who considers herself a writer. I mean, that's what you want is writing that is tight and impactful and gets to the point. And that's what we should want as communicators, anyway. Oh, yes, for sure. And and how easy just the spread of misinformation that can be mm-hmm. in a time like this with the kind of the panic that can ensue. So I really appreciate that you talked about, you know, setting that tone of calm um, and creating that culture that has now shifted in everybody's communities. And, um, and so that's really awesome. And so how about when it's not in the middle of crisis? Um, what is what is some of the best parts of your job being able to champion for your school and kind of share that story? I feel like I've taken my career here recently or more recently is how can my work impact academic outcomes for students? Mm-hmm. That's not typically something that one would think of when they're talking about communications in an educational context, but I've had the opportunity to work on some pretty big scale projects that um, I, I know that I can look at the results and say, as a result of my participation in coming up with a communications plan, this is why we saw academic outcomes for students and going in an upward trajectory. That is kind of atypical, because if you want to talk to other practitioners about that, um, you may not be in the room to be a part of the conversation, to raise your hand and say, hey, I can help, or here's how my background can contribute to this to make it better. So in my particular case, it was a summer learning program. Schools put these on, they've put them on for decades. Um, and the children that need more time with content, they don't always come to the summer learning programs. You know, teachers come out with these great plans, but it's only as effective as the students that were there. So I went out and um, asked my colleagues, I said, give me some time to do some research. And it didn't take long. I just asked parents, what are you looking for in a summer learning program? And they told us overwhelmingly they wanted full day affordable enriched activities for students. So we set about designing that. Um, when we put out the call that it was time to sign up, we had capacity enrollment on day two, but we didn't realize it to day three because it came in so fast and a wait list. And then the next thing you know, the chamber is um, pledging money that we did not ask for. So unsolicited, we raised $40,000 and about 40,000 in a week and a half time. And we saw academic outcomes like students who participated in the summer learning um, had in some cases gained, but certainly didn't slide that summer slide that we were trying to avoid. And that's why we typically have a summer program. So, you know, the teachers would have done a marvelous job with activities anyway, because that's what they do. But I do see that um, by applying some communication strategies to it, we were able to attract families to the opportunity. That's so beautiful. I love it. And I can just imagine how impactful that you must be in that role. And so it's super cool. And I like to hear um, in your space, I mean, I'm not talking to to an average person here in their role. I mean, you're an award-winning professional. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the recognition that you've received for your role? Oh my goodness. Um, it's hard <laughs> to talk about yourself. So, um, but it, it's, it's nice to be recognized for the work that I do, um, to be recognized by my peers inside of my building, my, my community. But um, when you're recognized by organizations outside of your community, that gives you validation on 
um, the work you're doing is is actually working and relevant and meaningful. Um, I know that there are probably some communications practitioners that shy away from the idea of, of seeking rewards, but um, my viewpoint on it is a little bit different. You know, a lot of times as school PR practitioners, we're the only one in our mm -hmm. office. So there's not going to be much professional development relevant to my job that my district can provide for me. So one way that I can get professional development from beside going to conferences and things like that, but by having my work peer reviewed through recognition programs, because typically they come back with some feedback. Um, and so I like to use that as self-reflection and for growth. So um, I've been recognized um, with my work through the National School Public Relations Association twice with its highest award, which is the gold medallion that kind of looks for what's what's the um, the exemplar in in one of I think about six categories: strategic planning or, or year-round communications plan, crisis communications, bond issues, those types of things. So I've um, been honored with that twice. I've also won awards at the state level um, in my school public relations association at the state level, as well as another PR association that I am a member of. And this February, I was honored by AASA, which is the School Superintendents Association with the Women in School Leadership Award in the school-based category. So um, all of those recognitions are superbly nice. The one from AASA is especially um, endearing to me because that is um, a, an industry outside of my own profession recognizing me. So that's really special that the superintendents group would recognize the work that I do. It is really special. And so I'm sorry to push you out of your comfort zone to talk about it. But I thought, you know, I think too often as women in leadership of any capacity, we're too quick to diminish what we've been able to accomplish. And I know that you know better than anybody that you bring with that recognition, a level of um, honor to your organization by being a part of it and being recognized in that way. And I think that's really special. And I also think that it's really great that the AASA recognized you because as I was sitting here thinking, I've, you know, I've led an administration and I am seeking a superintendent um, licensure. And as I was sitting here hearing you talk about all the different categories of like, everybody needs you. <laughs> everybody, every district needs one of you um, to confidently and capably have a good communication plan because as I was sitting here processing my own work, I've been thinking about, um, you know, the skills necessary to run a school well requires all of that. And, and maybe if, a, if people are listening, they've never even thought about it before. They're just thinking in that framework that you talked about with pictures and videos and, you know, telling all the great things that are happening. That's a piece of it. Telling your story is just a piece of it. It's, there's so much more to that whole puzzle. So thank you for your work and for bringing it. Um, to such a great light with the recognition that you've received. That's awesome. Oh, um, I'm honored to do it. And I think I would say this too about anybody that is looking at going to a superintendency or is in a superintendent's role that doesn't have a, a communications person. A lot of times those training programs um, prepare you for interviews, but more than likely most superintendents aren't even in a media market that will need to tap those skills of how not to wear, you know, um, colors that will, 
loud colors or patterns that will buzz or things like that, that they give out that advice, like never say no comment. And that doesn't help you for a social media crisis. So um, I think with the way that two-way communication is now, particularly with social media, where people have this immediacy, the belief of immediacy that if they tell the organization something, it should respond in a pretty prompt way. Um, and a lot of us through coronavirus are exhibiting this or practicing it with airlines and other industries that we're trying to get cancellations for. I think that it is that this era is requiring superintendents to think differently about two-way engagement and engagement with stakeholders in general, because no longer do stakeholders believe that um, the expert gets the last say. And so they believe that, you know, they have access to, you know, two thumbs and a device. They can tweet whatever they're thinking and (laughs) how do you you respond to it as an administrator? So um, I would imagine for a small school system or a school system that doesn't have a PR person, if you're the superintendent and you've got this thing on your phone, there are more pressing issues for me to determine. I, uh, people like me stay up at night worrying about those things. Like, is this going to play well? So. Mm. Well, and I, I do appreciate that. Um, Oh, it's really multifaceted. Uh, and sometimes people in positions of leadership really should not be having that thing in their hand and doing the, the tweeting as well. So that's, um, it's really good observation. So, okay. Another question for you, and this is one that I've been asking in this series is, you know, at some point in your education, at some point we all had champions. Is there anybody in your life specifically that helped you to kind of get to the level that you're at a family or, um, professional or teacher or anybody that you'd like to kind of shout out or recognize? That's my whole family. You said family, professional, or teacher there. Um, I actually think I will go with my younger sister. Um, she is. She went to school to do PR. I did not. I went to school to do television. And so she has pushed and goaded me for good or for bad um, into where I am professionally now with seeking my accreditation in public relations. That is a designation um, similar to maybe national boards for teachers or CPA for accountants. It's letters behind my name that um, demonstrate that I've done a few extra steps and proven myself worthy of um, saying that I operate in a, in a strategic ethical way. Mm-hmm. So um, she and I have friendly competition. Um, and, you know, even now it's, it's good to lean on her and kind of talk through some of these communications challenges we're having as a result of the coronavirus. That's so cool that you have that connection too. I love it. I love, love, love it. Okay. So I have a couple of standard questions that I always ask on this particular podcast, Leslie, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about them because you're really fascinating to me. So the first one is if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? Myself as a writer, I didn't realize, um, you know, people talk about being creative, but I guess I never thought of it because I'm thinking creative as someone that paints or jaws or something. And so I guess writing is creative. Um, so I could see myself doing this. I have always believed in writing out goals. Even I can remember back in sixth grade, writing out goals that I wanted to try out for cheerleader and make it. And I, um, wrote it on a piece of paper and I saved it, fold it, put it inside of a drawer, um, as a reminder to myself and then pulled it out. And then I can remember letters I wrote to myself, when I got to middle and high school about things I wanted to do. And even today, um, this one's going to sound really crazy, but you know, sometimes our jobs require us to change our email passwords on a routine basis. 
<laughs> yes. Okay. So I take a goal of something that I want to accomplish and I put that goal in my email password so that every day when I log into my computer, this is my affirmation that I'm going after this goal. Sometimes they're personal and sometimes they're professional, but I started doing that about two years ago. I hate when people, like when I type in the wrong uh, field and then people see it, but you know, you, you have to be willing to, to speak that big hairy goal. Um, and, and put it out there. I firmly believe that if you don't put it out there, then it cannot come true. You've got to give it some space and um, oxygen to grow and to breathe. So I would tell myself um, not to stress that you're going to be successful. Um, keep working hard at the things that you know to be right and stay very focused about doing them. Um, and I would say the other thing I would tell myself is to never stop learning. Those are very good pieces of advice. And also I have never heard that strategy before for goal setting. So I <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to re-gift that at some point when I'm, when I'm sharing about uh, productivity and things like that. That's awesome. I love it. Oh, I mean, I've done faith-based goals. I've done fitness goals. I've done professional goals, just things that I want to improve in my life for that for that season, whatever, you know, I'm working on, it doesn't have to be an award. It could be, you know, something as simple, like walk every day. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just put that in, I type messages like that and remind myself and tell myself over and over again, as I'm having to log back into that computer, that's what I'm going to focus on. Uh, I love it. And I, uh, struggle with the whole password thing. So thank you. That's a good pro tip. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. How about this one? If we have listeners that find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt for whatever reason, is there anything that you could say that you feel would help them rise up out of it? Dig deep. Um, right now, I know a lot of people are, are struggling with the coronavirus stuff, whether it's personally or professionally. Um, I, you know, and people, and and those fears cause people to share and reveal more of themselves than they might um, otherwise reveal if they were fully autonomous in this, you know, confidence that a lot of us have been shaken to the core. So yesterday morning, I went to the grocery store very, very early when lots of folks were social distancing and it was not very many people in there, big box store lady one checkout over for me was talking to the cashier about her life. She said she'd been uh, locked away in her house for three weeks. It was the first time she was getting out and um, her children, she had two children um, were in, I guess one of them, at least one of them was in private school and the private school was asking, still accepting tuition right now or requiring tuition. And she and her husband worked and they were having to pay for babysitters too. And I could hear that anxiety in her voice. And so that's the thing that concerns me for a lot of us um, through the coronavirus stuff. We're juggling a lot on the home front and trying to be, you know, halfway decent employees. Um, Sometimes you see yourself in your home life and you think, I'm so glad my coworkers cannot see how I'm, you know, hollering at my kids right now to pick up their toys or what have you um, and maintain that sense of professionalism that we pride ourselves on. So I think the vulnerability related to this current situation has been interesting and how you navigate it. Um, And I think we have to be ahead of the curve in recognizing that we need to be reflective and to give ourselves time to breathe and to think and to heal and to hurt even. I mean, that's, that's a big part because there's 
there's, you know, lots of loss right now. Um, and I'm just, you know, in, in unintrusive ways, I'm just hearing this and I'm, I'm more cognizant of the pain that other people are going through or the stress that they're going through right now on top of being expected to produce uh, for work. And as we know, for those of us that have children, young children in particular, if you work from home and this is a, a new change, like your kids think you're available just because they see you. So um, <laughs> that, that right there is, I'm surprised they haven't failed me now. <laughs> First of all, I want to say to acknowledge what beautiful words you just, you gave um, at a time when we really need to hear those calming voices. So I can hear coming from you on a personal level, what you must provide to your um, school district on a professional level, because we do need to hear that right now. We can't lead out of that fear. It's just so easy for that to overtake us and um, having that faith is really good, but there is a lot of pressure. And so acknowledging it is, is really good. And I mean, I'm not trying to diminish it. I, I have started working on my own for the last, I think it's almost been two years, but it's only been one summer. And, um, yeah, I feel, I was telling my husband, I'm like, this is, we're back to summer again. I'm going to be so unproductive. I can't, it's just terrible. Elementary age kids, you know, but you're right. Like they fully expect. These moms that think they're going to, they get on Pinterest and they're going to have their coronavirus homeschooling. Yeah. That lasted for me for about like a half a day. And we just going to have to hope that they'll be all right um, until the teachers are able to get to, to spin up their academic programs. But what I'm finding from working from home, and particularly, I guess, with the coronavirus, and I'm hoping all the stuff sticks with me and my kids, is the importance of routine mm-hmm. and establishing routines. Um, I have two young children who with very, very active lives, and unfortunately, we just let life and their activities overtake us. And so this has required us to slow down, enjoy the beauty of being together and eating dinner around the table and all sitting in the living room at the same time and wondering why are the kids still in the room right now um, and just talking and enjoying. So I, I'm going to be appreciative of this season for the opportunity to slow down and to do the things that I say, if I only had time. Mm, that's such good. That's another good uh, piece of advice and what a great yeah. way to, to end our time together here, Leslie. I've just been so thankful that you were able to make the time for me today so that I can share you on the podcast because your voice is um, exactly what we need to hear right now. And I'm just really grateful for the service that you provide to the profession, not only just your local community, but broad. And I'm so grateful that I got to amplify your incredible champion story today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Stay safe. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.